I, I'm excited about this series. And uh, maybe she got lost up there. Did she already? Pre- I don't know. Um, anyway, we just finished a series. And do you remember, like, one word? What was the what was the topic? What was what was it about? We just spent seven weeks on it. Doubt. Thank you. Hallelujah, Lord. We just talked about a very weird topic that you don't really talk about because, like, why would you even bring that up? Why don't you just talk about faith? Why don't we talk about doubt? Because I don't want to shy around difficult topics. Like, we all have questions that can't be answered, and we have questions that God doesn't answer. Sometimes we ask why, and God's like, nope, not giving you the why. And we can ignore it and say, oh, it doesn't exist. The, the danger of that is that you think you're the only one that's doubting and that, well, if I'm doubting, then I'm not really a Christian. I'm not saved. And some of those thoughts come from this religious background that maybe some of us have that says that you should never struggle. And so we're actually ending that series and it's a part of our story. But I, then I'm sitting there at home last Monday and I'm going, now what? Like, how do you go from that? Because I don't just randomly pick sermon series out of a hat. It might be easier, but I wrestle with things. I wrestle with what I want to talk about. I really, I want to be very, um, I want to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit, and I want to lean upon him, and I want to be very timely about what I'm talking about. But I had to springboard off the last series. I can't just leave it because it might you go, well, okay, so now we doubt God. That's it? You're just going to say we're going to doubt God the end? That would be a horrible, um, if, if this is a TV show and that would be a, a series ending, series finale, that would be horrible. It's like when I, my, one of my favorite TV shows of all time was Quantum Leap. Anybody Quantum Leap fans? Time travel? It never ended. It, it never ended. He said he never went home. He's traveling through time and he's lost in time. And I guess they're doing it now, a new one. And he's still gone. Which, I mean, the fans are like, no, come on. We want this guy to come home. That was the only... So it was a horrible way to end a TV show. If I were just to say, you can doubt God, it's okay, and then just say, the end, it would be very incomplete. Because even though it's not a sin to doubt God, it is not a good place to camp out for the rest of your life. God is calling you and me to have faith, to have trust, that even in spite... I'm going to call it in spite of type of faith, that I have this going on in my life, but Lord, I'm going to trust you. I don't see you where you're at. I don't know why I'm dealing with this. Why do I have that? Why do I have this? I was watching this person on YouTube, this vlogger, and it was on the main page. It was, it was heartbreaking. This person had cancer. I don't know why that was on my main page, but it was their last vlog. Vlog is a video log that someone is just kind of recording their life, and this person had this huge growth on their neck, and and uh, um, that was it. He it passed away. It, it kind of made me tear up a little bit. I was like, man, my point is, is that how can we look at stuff like that and still, got, and still say, God, where are we? I still trust you. That's the type of faith, even if we're dealing with stuff that's extreme like that, that we still say, God, I don't know the why I'm dealing with this but I'm going to trust you anyway. That's the kind of faith that God rewards. And if you think I'm making that up, wait until the, the scripture we read today. And that's the kind of faith that God is amazed at. 
You can amaze God in two different ways. And we're going to talk about that today. How many of us want to please God? How many of us want to amaze God by our lack of faith? Okay, again, if you're doubting God, that's not a sin. Because if you question things and you go through, you wrestle with God a little bit, you will get to the truth if you open up your heart 100% for God to show up. He will show up. I've wrestled with him, not physically, but I've wrestled with him in my mind and my heart and asked questions. There are still some questions I have and some things I've just moved on from and saying, God, I don't know why, but I'm going to trust you and I'm going to keep moving on. And at some point in my, in eternity, I believe that some questions are going to be answered. I go, okay, I get it. I get why that happened. I, I get, I get God, why you said no. Because if you said yes to that, then this would have happened, then this would have happened, and my life would have gone a different direction that you want me to. So we're talking about faith this series, all the way up to Easter. Can you believe that Easter is only a month away? It's early this year. You guys look at the calendar, you go, I wish that Easter would always be in April, like the, the third week or fourth week of April or the first week of April, just the same, and it would just so everybody can plan for it. But it's the end, the last Sunday of March, believe it or not. And so this is going up to, uh, to Easter Sunday. And so if you're in the middle of doubt, here's where this is like part two series. This is like a, this is like a, like you had the series finale. Now you're having the, the follow-up. And it's like right now. You don't have to wait 20 years. But I'm saying if you're in the middle of doubting God, now what? What do you do with that? Do you just stay with that? Do you just go, ah? It's kind of like being in a marriage or in any relationship. If I can't trust my wife... If she can't trust me with everything, then what do we do? Just let that be? We just, oh, that's, a, that's, a, that's an okay place to be. No, we've got to get to a place in my relationship with Lydia that I trust her and she trusts me. Okay, that's just a simple relationship, a complex. I mean, marriage relationship is complex, but that's just a simple marriage relationship. Relationship with God, we've got to be able to get to a place that we can trust him no matter what. Hebrews 11.6. If I ever make a coffee shop, it would be Hebrews. That's not, they're, 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 they exist. But um, that's, the, that's the apostle's favorite coffee brand is Hebrews. That's a Bible joke. There's a book in the Bible called Hebrews. Okay, the people of God, Hebrew, the Hebrews. Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, chapter 11, verse 6. And it's impossible. Everybody say impossible. Impossible. Say it again. Impossible. I think some of us said it's possible. Impossible. It is downright 0% chance that you can please God without faith. If you're camping out in doubt for too long, you'll get to a place, and you're not seeking God. If God knows your heart, he knows your intention. He knows an open heart. If you're, if you're struggling a little bit and you're saying, God, I'm struggling, but I'm going to become a student of you. I'm going to read the scripture. I'm going to dig deeper. I'm going to pray more. I'm going to worship more. He's going to reward that kind of faith. That's, that's, a, that's a type of faith. Okay, even if you're questioning, doubting, but he's saying it's impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to God, they must believe that God exists and that's not just the head knowledge. That is, we can go into that, but it's, that's a type of uh, uh, an obedience. Not just saying, okay, I believe that you exist. The demons believe that God, that Jesus exists and he's God, but they, they're not rewarded, okay, for that kind of faith. Anyone who comes 
wants to come to God must believe that God exists and, here it is, that he rewards those. Who, who does he reward? Those who sincerely seek him. There are people that don't want to know the answer. There's, okay, God, I just want you to show up. God, I want you to seek me. The fact is that there is this partnership. It's weird, but that God comes to us, but at the same time, we come to God. And sometimes, sometimes circumstances hide him. Sometimes he, he plays this game. I don't, it may, might not be a game, but he, he does this thing where you can't quite see what's going on. And he wants to see your heart is sincere or not, if you really want to seek God. And, and my story is I've sought God two ways, half-heartedly. How many of us have ever sought God half-heartedly? You didn't really want to do the effort. Or, and I've done, I've sought God with all of my heart. I can tell you with 100% confidence that when I sought God with 100% my, of my effort and my, um, my sincerity, I, I, every single time, God was there. But when I was kind of like, ah, whatever, it's like, okay, of course he's not going to show up. He's waiting, and he rewards those who sincerely seek him. That is becoming slowly my favorite verse, even though every verse is my favorite verse, but it really is. The two things, it's impossible to please God without faith. And so doubt is not a sin, but at some point you need to stop camping out in doubt. At some point you need to, you, you could be in doubt and go, man, this has been a horrible season in my life. But at some point you need to say, Lord, I need, I need your guidance. I need your help to get out of this, this, this muck, this, this, um, this, sinking sand, if you will. I'm just, I'm kind of, I'm drowning in this. I have questions that can't be answered. I'm dealing with stuff that I can't quite, I'm scratching my head going, what's going on? I need your help to get me out of there so I can stand on solid, firm foundation so I can grow in my faith and I can have a, a faith that is pleasing to God. And my number one goal in my life is to please God. And I, I, I would bet money, if you're a Christian, Unless you're one of the people that say, the only reason I'm really wanting God, I want God for his blessings. There's some people like that. That's fine. I think I was like that for a little bit. I was like, if I become a Christian, he's going to make me better looking. No, I didn't. I was already good looking, so I didn't have to. Of course, I saw some pictures when I was younger. I'm like, wow, I've changed a little bit. Um, a little bit right here. Right here. Definitely right here. Okay. Um, but I want to please God, and it says the only way to really please him totally is to have faith. So I want to talk about, I was trying to think about a word. It could say growing faith, things that make your faith grow, but I wanted to, the idea of cultivating faith. Because I'm not a farmer. My, my grandfather, my mom's dad, planted, we just talked about this yesterday, right? it was a memory of mine, that he planted, he had a huge garden, he would pick those things and he would he would can them and he put them in his little uh, it was it was like this outdoor uh, room that you put the, what is that called when you it's a, a root cellar but it was outside it wasn't in part of his house it was like this shed then you walk in the shed and you go down these steps and it was like the the cellar like it's, it was the nastiest dankest room in his whole property and he had hundreds and hundreds of acres I mean he had a bunch of stuff but he. 
when I was just a little kid, he died when I was 12, so I, I, can, I can remember him a little bit, but he would show me, he would always be uh, uh, poking at things, and he was cultivating the ground. He would, he would water it, and he would till it, he would stir it up a little bit, he would uh, do, take out rocks and stuff like that, and that image is stuck in my mind. When it comes to faith, God plays a huge role in your faith. He is the author of your faith. What that means is he's the beginner of it. He feeds you the faith. He says, here it is. But you know what? Our job is to cultivate that, is to till the soil, is to make sure that there are things that we're doing that are helping in our process of our growth. We're not just expecting God is the one that's going to bring the growth. There are certain people that will water it. There are certain people that will till the soil. But you and I are in charge of our growth in a sense. We can't blame it on someone else because we didn't grow. We can't blame it on our pastor's sermons. We, 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 sometimes you go, maybe he should go a little deeper. Maybe he should go less deep, whatever. No matter what, then the pastor's going to be in trouble. But, um, but you and I, at the beginning, we're like, okay, God, you gave me this faith. Now it's my job to cultivate my life, to till the soil. I want to have faith. And what happens when you cultivate the ground, when you, when you um, clean out all the junk out of the ground and you plant things, you have a better chance at growing healthy fruit, healthy stuff. And you can pick those roots, you can pick the things and whatever it is. I mean, he would have like a bunch of corn, my grandpa. He'd have a bunch of corn. He had all sorts of good stuff. And he also had some horrible horrible stuff that I was like, Ugh, that's disgusting. It tastes like earth. That's what it did. It tastes like earth. What was that thing that you, beets. How many of us like beets? How many of us thinks like beets taste like earth and dirt? Yeah, they do taste like earth. I mean, if you want to taste dirt, they're just like, mm, let me have a handful of dirt. I guess I've had the wrong thing. Pickled, right? Pickled. Perfect. Exactly. So, but the, I understand that the health, you can till the soil, you can make it healthy. You can, you can make the ground a way that it has the chance of growing a healthier plant. You wouldn't have good corn. You wouldn't have corn. When I was a kid, there was a guy named Norm. Norm's corn, 10 for a dollar. And Norm's corn was on the way to Sumner, going to my grandpa's house, my other grandpa. And uh, man, I'm going down memory lane today. But we'd go to Norm's corn. And the moment that Norm passed away, we stopped having corn in our house because there was nothing better than Norm's corn. I don't know. I don't want to know what he did to the ground to make it really good. I like to think that he cultivated the ground really good, and he, and he made it healthy, and he watered it good. That was probably the reason why. But God wants us to till the soil. So we're going to talk about faith. Are you guys ready? We've been ready. Come on. Hurry up. Now, week one is simply unshakable faith. Unshakable faith faith. We've all met that one person who it doesn't matter what they do. It doesn't matter what they're going through. It doesn't matter what kind of trial or tribulation or they're going through some divorce or they were dating someone. It doesn't matter what they do. And you want to know if it's fake or not. But I've, I've met a few people in my life where I knew it wasn't phony, that it didn't matter what they were doing, that they were dealing with. They still trusted God 100%. In fact, and it, it almost seems like it, not real, but I mean, they were, I knew their heart and they were real, but they would say, when I go through struggles, I don't like them, but I realize that it's just an excuse for God to show off in my life. Okay. And he's going to build me up. He's going to strengthen me through it. And they were strengthened all the way through. I've met a few people like that. I can name on one hand, the people who that was legit. I mean, they didn't really struggle. I'm like, ah, how do I get that kind of faith? Because, you know, 
I, I, I go, oh, you know, I have a headache. And I'm like, okay, my, my faith's struggling a little bit, you know. And I'm like, I prayed for it for five seconds. And I'm like, okay, Lord, you just don't love me. I don't say that, but, you know. But some things, we deal with things, and the faith is just so fragile. You know, I, I met a while ago, I worked for Pepsi for 12 years. So in the last 12 years, I met someone who had, who, who had just, because I had overheard this conversation, they had just received the doctor's report they had cancer, that it was a death sentence. I mean, I just overheard it, and I, I kind of knew them a little bit, because when you're working at the store, you just know everybody. And I just, I, I wanted to encourage that individual, because if you've ever received bad news, whether a death in the family, the moment that you have that news, you have a choice of how you're going to respond. There are times I've had bad news in my life and I responded very poorly or I, 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 I broke down and cried or I broke down and just got angry. Um, but I, I wanted to know this person, hey, you're, because I noticed their face didn't look like they were any different than they were before they had that news. And I said, well, how are you doing? Like, really, I wasn't saying, how are you doing? I got five seconds, how are you doing? Like some, we all do. Hey, how are you doing? Okay, we're, do we're good, I'm going out of here. It was like, I really want to know, how are they doing? And I just stopped my work, and I said, how are you doing? And they said, I'm doing awesome. And I said, but I just overheard your news. I came over here to apologize and say, I mean, I will pray for you. And do you want to pray right now? I, I wanted to encourage you that God is with you. But it doesn't seem, your face is not matching your circumstances. And they said, I'll never forget it. They said, that my life here on earth is not the end of the story. I, in fact, it's, it's the precursor to something that really, this, this is the trailer before the actual movie, if you will. They didn't say it that way, but I can't remember exactly how they said it, but that's how I interpreted it. That this life is a precursor to something even greater. And I said, I, so I walked away from there trying to encourage them, but they encouraged me. They challenged me. I said, I need that kind of faith because when I get bad news, even if it's something that's not life-changing, they, they're out of coffee, the, 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 right, the right brand. I go, are you kidding me, Lord? You, you know, you, you don't even love me. I don't do that. We don't do that extreme, but I'm being facetious on purpose. But some people can have extreme life-altering things that happen, and they're still strong in their faith. How is that? How do we get to that? How do we do that? I think it was, it was obvious that they had cultivated their faith over the years. They, they've dug the ground they, in, in their heart. They've dug their faith out a little bit. They took out some rocks. They took out some, some uh, debris. They've took out some garbage that need to be out of there. Like there's garbage maybe in there. I'm just use an example, like an illustration. But they, they, they planted some roots that got deep in their heart. And the moment that they had horrible, horrific news that the doctor said, you're done, basically. They, it was unshakable. It, it, there was a storm in their life that was very strong, and they were not falling over because they had tilled the soil in their heart. They had tilled the soil in their life. They had watered. They had done all this stuff. They've done what they could do, knowing that God is in charge of our, the growth of our actual faith, but they did what they could to till the soil, to get rid of some garbage that's in the way, and they made the, the land, the, their heart fertile, for growth. Man, that's good. That's some good stuff. Come on, everybody. I'm getting excited here. They get some, they, their heart can become fertile to grow their faith. See, when we feed our faith, when we process our faith, 
when we turn over our faith, when we wrestle with it a little bit, when we cultivate it, when we till the soil, what's going to grow is an amazing faith that amazes God. You're like, how do you know that? There's a scripture that talks about that. We're going to talk about that today. And so when you read the Gospels and you follow the life of Jesus, there's an amazing, there's, there's some great stories. There's two very amazing, strange stories that how could you amaze the God of the universe? The God of the universe that threw all the stars and created everything, how could you literally amaze God? There's only two examples in the Bible where God went, oh, wow. I used the word, I was thinking about the word yesterday. He was flabbergasted. I never used that word, but I thought it sounds cool. God was flabbergasted. His, his jaw was on the ground. He's like, I have never seen faith like that. That's the kind of, that is the kind of reaction that I desire God to have in my life to go, and it's not even about me. It's about the fact that I trust God so much that the circumstances in my life, even if they don't change, I wish they would sometimes, some of the situations. Okay, can I be human for a second? Okay, some of the situations that don't change, if I was in charge and I'm not, I would go up to her right now and just change it. I'd erase that and I'd write this story instead. I don't like that story. Let me have another story, God. But sometimes God says no. Sometimes God says not yet. Sometimes God says I have something better for you, something different for you. And I, I really want the kind of faith where God says, wow, you really trust me. You really have confidence in me. And so there's two times. In the book of Matthew, you're going to find the very first time that Jesus was amazed. And in fact, he was flabbergasted. He was in awe. Jesus was walking along with the apostles, and this Roman centurion, this guy that's in charge of some Roman soldiers, in fact, he represented someone bigger than him. He represented the Roman government. And he had people that were above him in authority. So this is a story about authority, who's really in charge. And he had people underneath him that he could command them hey, you need to go over there, you need to go over there. And there's not like, well, can you show me where to go? Because I don't know where I'm going. You don't, no, no. I said to go over there. I have the authority over you. And I'm getting my command from someone that's greater than me, that has more authority than me. And I represent someone that's over here. And they're telling me to command you. And my words are enough. I don't have to baby step you. I don't have to walk you over there. And this guy comes up to Jesus, who I guarantee you just meet Jesus that day. He's been watching Jesus, and he realized two things about Jesus. Number one, he had some type of authority more than people would even comprehend. They're like, he goes, I know he has some type of authority. It's no question about it. And number two, he had power. He had authority, and he had power. When we give God authority and power and say, it's yours, Lord God, it's going to reap a hundredfold benefit in your life when we say, God, you have all authority. You have all power. I have no power without you, God. God, it's not my, this is not my world here. This is not my, this is not my domain. You, it's your domain. You are king. You live on the throne. So we get in Matthew, and the problem with this entire story is that the people of Israel assumed that the Roman people were the enemy. And so God would never, ever, ever do what Jesus is going to do. In fact, the guy, the Roman centurion said, I have a servant at home. It's far away from here. 
could you just, could you just say, be healed and heal him? Would you heal him? Because he's really, really, really sick. And Jesus says, okay, here, come on, let's go. I'll go to your house. How many of us would want Jesus in our house? Would you clean your house a little bit? Here's the thing. I don't think I would. He knows it already. What's the point? Right? My word, look at this pile of garbage. Wow. Did you see your fridge? You got some things in the fridge that you need to throw away. It's been there for too long. We don't. We threw away things a couple days ago. We're good. But he, he would already, he's not shocked. He goes, let me in here. See, Jesus, he was ready to go to his house. And the guy, he said, no, 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 no. I, I, I've been watching you, Jesus. I've been watching you. And I know a little thing about authority. In fact, look at Rome, I mean, Matthew chapter 8. Matthew chapter 8, verse 9, because the Roman centurion says, you do not need to walk to my house. I don't know if it's because he had dirty laundry. I have no idea. Laundry day, I have no idea. But more than likely, it was because he understood a thing about Jesus. And the number one, th- the two things he knew about, he had power and he had authority. Just like him, Okay. Matthew chapter 8, verse 9. He says, this Roman centurion says, I know this because I am under the authority. Everybody say authority. Authority. I am under the authority of my superior officers. Okay, I come from somewhere that they have sent me and they have authority. They've given me authority to do what I'm doing. Okay? And I have authority over my soldiers. In other words, there are people that are, quote, underneath me who all I have to do is just say the word and they have to do it. I have the authority over them. Okay, they can't cry. They can't go, where do I go? How do you get there? You say, yes, sir. That's authority. And I only need to say to them, go, and they go. Or come here and they come here. And if I say to my slaves, it's just a reality in the time, they were slaves, okay? And if I say to my slaves, do this, they do it. I love this because my so he goes, my soldiers obey me because of who I represent. I represent the Roman government. And Jesus, I've been watching you. I've been watching you. And one thing I know is that there's more going on in you than everybody's saying. Some people are amazed at you. Some people want this feeding. Some people want this. But I know, I know beneath the surface of your healing, I know beneath the surface of your, of your feeding of the 5,000. I know what's beneath the surface of you walking on the water. I know it. You've turned water into wine. I know where that comes from. Somehow, someone's giving you that authority. Somewhere, you're getting that power that's not just random. And that's exactly what he says. And uh, he goes, Jesus, the reason why I don't want you to come to my house has nothing to do with my dirty laundry, even though I need to do my dirty laundry today. I would ask Jesus if he's God. I would say, can you clean my laundry? Like, just snap your fingers and it's folded and everything's put away. That'd be awesome. But he goes, I believe if you issue the command, it will be done. Because you have authority. You're, 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 you're large and in charge. You, you come from somewhere that has power. And that power and that authority is giving you the power and the authority to do in my life, my servant's life, something you don't even need to put your hands on them. See, that takes extreme faith. If someone is, if I had my choice in Jesus healing me by putting his hands on me or by just saying the word, to be honest with you, I want Jesus to place his hands on my head. I don't know why. 
I have no idea why. It takes extreme faith to say, now nah, you don't even need to be there. You don't even need to be there. Because I prayed over people with my hand, because it says to do that. Okay, lay hands on people. And I think, well, is that because the power that's in me goes throughout my hand to go into them? I don't quite know. Because apparently, it can just be said, and you can be healed. Jesus doesn't heal the same way twice anyway. But we'll look at Jesus' response, because Jesus is just sitting there. He's listening. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. The only way that Jesus was ever amazed was through this. Okay? When Jesus heard this, he was what? Amazed. I'm, I'm sure the original Greek word was flabbergasted, but it's actually, it's more like an awe. Like, wow, that faith is awesome. That's really what it is. Like, he has, his mouth is open like, wow. He is amazed. He's flabbergasted. And then he's using it as a teaching moment to the people who are following him, his disciples. Turning to the people who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth. He said, in other words, pay attention here. Matthew, take notes, because you're going to be writing this later. He didn't say that, but I'm sure he did. But I tell you the truth. I haven't seen faith like this in all Israel. In other words, in my, he, we believe that Jesus is eternal, but he was born, okay, in, in the body, in the flesh. He goes, in my lifetime, I've never, ever, ever, ever seen this faith like this ever. I can count it on one finger how many times I've seen this right here. So he's truly amazed. And I'm sitting there going, I'm reading this this week going, but, but why? Wouldn't you be amazed that Peter walking in the water? To me, that, that makes sense. Peter walks, he takes at least three steps before, he drowned, before he's drowning. And, but he wasn't even amazed at that. He, I like to think that God would go, wow, Joel, you know so much about the Bible. You have so much knowledge. You know the Greek. Sometimes I do. Someone else does the work. I just have to find it. I know who to ask. Man, you're really good at that Bible stuff. Man, you could preach. You could do all that. God is never amazed at that. In fact, Jesus would be sitting back there and he's, he, he doesn't even take notes. He's not going, Pastor, um, that's a really good point. He wouldn't be doing that. There's only one way to amaze Jesus. It's an unshakable, 100% confidence in Jesus. 100% confidence in Jesus. Not in the circumstances not in the way that it's going to end, but in him. He knew that Jesus was the author of the healing. He wasn't seeking a healing, not necessarily. He was seeking Jesus going, I know, I've watched you. You have all authority. You have all power. You have all strength. You can do it. If it's not for you, my servant's going to die. And Jesus is amazed, flabbergasted. It's like, my question is, do we have a faith that will amaze Jesus? Do you, is the amount of your faith, the level of your faith, is it on level with amazement Jesus' life where Jesus is going, wow, that's amazing. That's an awesome faith. That's a great faith. That's a faith I can work with. See, according to Jesus, all you need is a faith like a mustard seed. What if you have big faith? I mean, 
a mustard seed can move a mountain. Great faith can move a mountain range. Man, that's good. Come on, people. Wow, I just come up with that stuff right on the top of my head. I, how come I not needed? How come I can't do that when I'm writing it? Um, yeah, if a small little mustard seed faith can move a mountain, big faith can move a mountain range. Can move the Cascades. A little bigger than that, the Rocky Mountains, the Andes Mountains, right? I mean, that would be the faith that pleases and amazes God. But I feel sometimes a little guilty because here I am struggling with my faith, which we just talked about for seven weeks. My point of that series was not camp out there, but was to use that doubt season, however long it is. It's three hours, three months, three years. I don't know. But use that as an excuse to become a student of God. Dig deep, worship more, praise more, praise like louder. I don't know. And do what you can to find God because you're going to find him. That's the point of doubting. It's not just to camp out there and say, this is a great place to be because it's not. It's not a great place to live the rest of your life. You know what a, a great place to live is? Big faith. That's a great place to be. Now, remember, Jesus never was amazed at someone's head knowledge in the Bible. Do I believe in knowing things about the Bible? Of course. Okay? But has Jesus ever once looked at you and said, you know what, you have an amazing amount of knowledge in the, in, about the Bible. Wow, you really, that is a good insight, Jesus, you know, and Jesus goes, can I, can you tell, say that again so I can write it down, right? He's never done that. That doesn't amaze him. We know, we know people, we don't have to raise your hand, it's, maybe it's you, or you know someone, don't have to point fingers. We all know someone that knows so much about the Bible, yet it doesn't change their lives. Okay, I've been there, done that. Okay, you can, you can go to have, you can go to heaven and go, I know everything about the Bible, and God's like, I don't know, I don't know you. Because it's not even about that. Yeah, do I think that you need to know about the Bible? Of course, you need to dig in. You need to be a student. I mean, I love Bible study. That's, I mean, that's, we need to know, we get to know God. Okay, we can dig deep in there. But that's not the point. The point is, God, when I read this, help me to put my confidence in you. Second time Jesus was amazed was not a good time. And the reason why I like these two, they come, they, they're, they're like two, uh, stories that parallel each other is one time he's amazed something good happened the other time he's amazed that something bad happened and i look at my own life and i say which one do i want to please do i want to please god because of my lack or do i want to please god because i trust him with everything i'll pick this one 100 percent of the time but when i doubt when i live right here then god's going you're not really being sincere right now in fact in mark Chapter 6, we're going to be there in just a moment. And um, Jesus goes to visit his hometown. And you know the story. If you've read the Bible, the people in his hometown don't buy into this Jesus thing because they know him personally. They know his family. They, they're going to see in just a second. In fact, they can go visit his sis, Jesus' sister's house because they still live in town. If you have a person from town that's coming up and saying, I'm God, you're going to go... <laughs> cuckoo, right? I mean, if my brother, Jason, who's never claimed to be God, but he said, you know what, Joel? I am God. I'm going, you're an idiot. I would never say that because I love my brother. But, you know, there's something wrong with here, in here, okay? You're, you're, you're kind of touched right here in not a good way. You're not that well. And so I don't blame the city for going, we know who this guy is. But the good thing about Jesus, he was doing some good things at this, exa at this time. 
He went to his hometown. He went to go visit his family. He, he did all this. He did healings. He did teachings. And he, things were going well. But then someone, and there's always one person, a group of people that raises their hand, and they say, don't you guys realize who this is? This guy is not who he says he is. In fact, we know where he is. We can locate the spot where he was born. We can go walk over, and we can go. And then they took him back, and they, they, we know where his house is. In fact, let's go talk to his sister. She'll tell you the truth. She's not a believer in him. And then, so Mark chapter 3, chapter 6, verse 3, they scoffed. You don't want to scoff at God because it can only mean trouble, right? He's just a carpenter. Who's God to you? He's just a carpenter. He's the son of Mary and the brother of James. He's the brother of Joseph, the brother of Judas. He's the brother of Simon. They know the family well. Well, they've been to his shop. He's a carpenter. He's a well-known carpenter. They, they probably have furniture that was made by Jesus. That's the truth. I mean, he goes, look at this chair. It's got Jesus' initials right underneath it. J.C., that's not what it's. But, and look at this. His sisters live right here among us. They still live in town. His brothers apparently have moved away. Okay? But his sisters live right here among us. In other words, go find them. Hey, I'm sure, guarantee one of them was named Mary. Okay? Because there's a lot of Marys. Mary. Mary Jr. Come over here. I don't know how you do the girl that's a you can't say junior, but come over here, Mary, Mary. Come here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Mary's daughter of Mary. Come on. This is Jesus, right? We know him. Does, do you think he's God? She's going to go, here we go again. Here we go again. They were deeply offended, and they refused to believe in him. Say in him. They refused to believe. They, didn't, they knew he existed. They could see him. They didn't believe that he existed. They couldn't believe in him, the ability that he had, even though they could see what he was doing. And when he was teaching, everybody knew he had authority in his teaching. So they couldn't deny that, but they could deny that the power was actually in him. So they said, no, we're not going to believe in, in him. And so look at verse 6. This, verse 6 is where is, it's his response. And Jesus was amazed at their unbelief. That is not the way to amaze Jesus. I don't want to amaze Jesus by my lack of faith. I mean, do you? There's two ways that Jesus was amazed. Great faith, lack of faith. Choose one. If you want to please God, you got to have faith. If you want to amaze God, if you want to go a little deeper than that, you got to have great faith or you got to have no faith. Which one do you want to choose? I want to choose great faith, but how do I get to that? That's what this series is about. Okay? Jesus' number one agenda for you, outside of you becoming more like Jesus, is that you, for the rest of your lives, would be people of great faith. That you would 100% trust in him. That you would put your 100% confidence that he is who he says he was. If Jesus exists, which all of us would raise our hands, I believe that he's God. But if we, and I'm talking about not just a belief that he, does, he is there somewhere, 
I'm saying 100% absolute confidence that he's there. If that's the case, what would I do differently if I actually had confidence that he's actually there? Why do we say we believe, and I'm saying this to myself too, humanity. Why do we say we believe in Jesus, but then we live as if he doesn't exist? Why, why is it that we, again, we can doubt, we can have our doubting, but a lot of times we stay there. Why is it that we stay there? It's because we don't have 100% confidence. We'll say, God, I'm going to talk to this individual about you, but you better show up or, or else. Don't make me look like a fool, God. I'm going to pray for this individual, but God, you better heal. If I pray for them and they get out of their wheelchair and they fall to the ground, I'm going to be so mad at you. Why do we do that? Because we don't have 100% confidence in God. Or I don't. There are times where God said, do this, and I said, nope. Because I wasn't quite sure what the results would be. But if God's commanding me, is that important? Yes, it is. When Jesus says, I want you to do this, obedience is everything. Because obedience is trust. Obedience is faith. Faith is obedience. Faith is, what is real faith? It's doing the things that, you're do, that, is, that he's calling you to do. That's what faith is. I don't want to have lack of faith. I want to cultivate the faith. Now, I want for just a moment, I want to talk to you about what faith really is. And it's kind of weird. I was seeking the Lord. I'm saying, what is faith? If I could define it. Like, what is it? It seems very, it could be this or that. But faith in... Um, this might seem weird, but just go with me, okay? Faith is always based on an object, okay? I'll give you an example in just a moment. It's, faith is never based on hope, optimism, or wishful thinking. You, go with me just a moment because you're going to be like, what do you mean? Okay, I want to give you an example that's not spiritual. I want you to think that I am taking a plane trip from Seattle to Orlando, the ex- exact, I mean extreme, other end of the country, my flight will involve faith, and my flight will, will, um, will involve hope, optimism, and wishful thinking. Okay, my hope and optimism and wishful thinking, I hope that I get there on time. I hope that my flight's not delayed, because I hate that. I hope, I hope that they, have, they don't have a meal there anymore, but I hope they have the right snack. And I hope they have a good ginger ale. Or Coke. They usually have Coke products. I hope, I hope that they're friendly. I hope they're playing my, my kind of movie, even though you can pick your own movie now if you're on a big plane. used to be whatever they're playing. And one time when we were going to Hawaii when I was in high school, they are playing some kind of cheerleader uh, movie. I don't remember what it was. I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, this is for teen girls. I don't want to watch. This is stupid. They're doing cheers. I'm like, okay. Um, now you can pick your own movie. But... Um, Maybe I'm optimistic that the flight will get there early. My, my, my faith isn't in the fact that I'm going to get there early or not. Because if I get there on time and not, I don't get there early, fine, it doesn't change anything. My faith is in an object. My faith is in that piece of metal that goes in the air that shouldn't be up there. I know how it works with the wings and, and all the things, that, the little flaps that go up. I get it. But my mind still doesn't get it. You got a heavy piece of metal that you're putting through the air. You're not, you're not, we are not designed to be in the air, period. And every time that I go on a trip, I either watch uh, uh, Alive. There's a movie called Alive. There's a plane crash. I, I watch La Bamba. You know, there's a plane crash. Um, 
that's not legitimately true, but I mean, I have in the past, like, what am I doing, right? That, that airplane, what's my faith in? I'm putting my faith that that plane will get me from point A to point B safely. I'm not optimistic. I don't have, I mean, I, I hope that this plane gets me there. No. I go in there because if, if I didn't have 100% confidence that my, that plane's going to get me, I never would go in there. I'll give you another example. You placed your faith in an object the moment you came into this, this church building, your chair. How many of us thought the chair was going to fall? None of us did. Why? Because you sat there before. In fact, some of you guys sit in the same place at the same time. So when you sat down, you didn't want to fall like, like a fool, but you knew the chair wasn't going to collapse. And they didn't. Congratulations. You put your faith in the chair. It wasn't wishful thinking. I, I hope, this, hope this thing. No, if you hope it is, then you're going to go, I'm just going to stand like this. This is good. But you went, plop. Ah, another day where I, I, I survived. You know? See, faith is not in results. Faith is in an object. And the object that we're talking about today is a person. It's Jesus Christ. My faith is not, I hope that this works out. I, I, I think it's going to be good. I, I think it's going to turn around. See, sometimes, we've talked about this last series, sometimes when you pray, God says no. And we don't understand why, but that's just a fact of life. Sometimes when you're praying, he says no. So my faith isn't just, just in, here's the results, it better be this, or I'm going to be very mad. It's, you know what, God? I'm placing my faith in you. You're going to... I, I trust that you're going to get me to where I need to go 100% of the way. And wherever you're taking me, I'm going to trust it. It's not wishful thinking. It's not optimism. It is not hope, even though those things are fine. Some of you guys are glasses half full type of people. Anybody there? You glass half, half full type of people? Are you just an encourager naturally? Well, I didn't have anyone raise their hands. Are we, are we a glass half empty kind of church? We're nothing. Okay. You don't want to raise your hand. Some people are half glass empty kind of people. Some people are half glass full type of people. Some people are optimistic. Some people used to be optimistic, but now we're not. Some people are wishful thinking. Those are not wrong things. I'd rather be optimistic than not because being pessimistic is a horrible place to live. Trust me. But that's not what pleases God. Faith. It's what pleases God. It goes beyond the circumstances. I don't have to have a specific outcome in my life to trust God. That's called wishful thinking. That's called optimism. That's called hope. I hope it works out. But if I have faith, it's always it's like the airplane. I put my faith in that airplane 100% to get me. It's a piece of metal. It doesn't make sense. I mean, in my brain, it doesn't make sense. But for some reason... It gets from point A to point B. Just don't watch specific movies right before. And if you're going to go on a ship, don't look at Titanic. That would be a bad movie to look at. Um, John 14.1, Jesus says, I love this. Don't, because, uh, I, I don't know how I missed that in my notes. The object of your faith isn't a particular outcome. Okay? John 14.1. Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust 
in God. Everybody say, trust in God. Trust in God and also trust in me, okay? So he's not saying believe that I exist. That's not true faith. Again, we said this before. We'll say it a million more times. Demons believe that Jesus exists. They don't have a doubt in their bones if they have bones. I don't think they do, but they don't have one ounce of doubt in their life. They know who he is, and that's not enough. To believe that something exists is not enough. You have to trust in Jesus. He is trustworthy. What is the foundation of any relationship? It's trust. You might say love. You might say liking. I mean, I have to, if I really want to be in a good relationship with a friend or a coworker, I got to like them. And the fact is, liking someone goes up and down with the weather. Or they might say something you disagree with. They might think different politically than you, and you're like, I can't be friends with them. Well, they don't believe everything I believe about in this, in this part of the, they go to a different church. They go to, a, they have different doctrine than me. I can't believe, that's, every relationship is based on trust. My relationship with my wife, the best thing about my relationship with my wife is we've been married almost 20 years. We trust each other. We do. I don't have to sit there and wonder where she's going to be at night. And vice versa. Have you ever wondered that? Never. Not once. We're pretty predictable. That's good. Okay, I can trust her. And there are moments we had conversations. She said, I trust you, right? She trusts me, right? Right? 100%, right? Perfect. Even if it's not, just say yes for the sermon illustration. But if I were to break that trust and confidence in Lydia, we couldn't have a marriage. We could, but it would be very unhealthy. If I, don't, if I can't trust her, if I can't put my 100% confidence that she'll be there every night, and that when I'm at my worst, she's there for me, we don't have a real marriage. We're roommates. Which, I mean, if she pays her half, I pay my half, fine. That would be great. But <laughs> we have a deeper relationship than that. I pay for it. No. Um, but what's the foundation of any relationship. It's trust. What's the foundation of your faith in God? It's 100% trust in him. It's 100% confidence that he is who he says he is, and his ways are better than my ways. 100%. If I go into a season of doubt, I'm still going to trust him because I'm going, you know what? I don't like this. You can say, I don't like it, Lord. I don't understand. He understands that. He knows. But we can go back and go, God, help me to trust you. God is honored. He's most honored with our, by our living, active, death-defying, in spite of trust in him. That's the kind of faith that he, wants, that he wants us to have. God is most honored by our living, active, death-defying, in spite of type of faith in him. Every other faith is a cheap imitation. I've been there, done that. He's only pleased and he's only amazed at 100% confidence. And they go, how does that happen? Well, what would you do? What would I do if I was 100% confident God was with me? What would I do different? That's question, that question has been bothering me all week. 
Because I will be the first to tell you there are times in my life where I've said, I trust you, God, but I haven't lived like I trusted him. Why is that? Because I don't have 100% confidence. Why is that? Because I'm human. Or, and or, I haven't cultivated my faith like I'm supposed to. I've kind of taken a back seat. I've taken a, well, whatever, type of thing. What would you do differently if you were 100% confident that God was leading you and guiding you and he's with you always. And no matter what happened, he was still walking you through that. If you got a note from the doctor that said, you're, you're going downhill very fast, you realize that no matter how the, what the outcome is, God is still walking with you. He's not walking with you only when the outcome's in your favor, what you think is your favor. It's the outcome is whatever God's will really is. Not my will, but your will be done. We're going to be done in just 30 seconds. We're going to talk about five ways to cultivate an amazing faith. There are five tools, if you will, that you can dig. I was going to have tools up here, but all the tools I had were full of dirt and mud. So I was like, no, I better not. Five ways to cultivate an amazing faith. What are they? To be continued. <laughs> Look at that cliffhanger right there. Oh, man, what am I going to do? So we're going to close, but I, we were, me and Lydia were talking right before the service. Nobody else was here. It was just us. And there's going to be a song on the screen, so I want us to close with a song. Once the song's done, you're free to go, okay? But I need you. There's going to be lyrics on it. There's going to be all that, and it's a song. What's the song called, Liv? Trusting, well, amazing. Okay, trusting God. There you go. It's almost like we planned it.